All right, do read your news sheet. There's all sorts of things happening uh, in there. There's a, there's a, a woman's lunch today that's happening as well, so uh, have a look at that. How many of you have seen the Blues Brothers movie? It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, a few people that have been around a while. Why I love that movie is it's these two ratbags, and they really are ratbags, and they have an encounter with God. And I know it's just a movie, but they have an encounter with God, and what they do straight away after that is that they go, we've got to do the Lord's work. We've got to do the Lord's work. And they get about, and that's what you just saw. You know, they kept saying, like, you know, we're on a mission from God. They're on a mission from God. They had to raise some money to save the orphanage. They're on a mission from God. We're at a, in a series currently called We're on a Mission from God. And uh, it's a series that we've looked at different things. I know that uh, it started off with having Ben McGregor here from Grace Vineyard Church and uh, talk about a guy that is, inspires us for the, for the mission. Uh, how many people were here and heard, heard Ben? Did you enjoy having Ben here? Yeah, Ben was great. Um, and, you know, we've heard from, you know, uh, so he was talking, you know, he's just a guy that goes and everyone he bumps into he just asked them if they'd like to follow Jesus and um, an evangelist. And we've had, um, we've had Kiran and Jacinda talking the last couple of weeks about going, about bringing, in terms of the whole thing of people, you know, going and bringing. There's another old movie that's probably some of you that have been around for a while may have seen as well. It's called The Mission. Came out in 1986. How many people were alive in 1986? <laughs> it's about a Jesuit priest that uh, went to South America uh, to help the South Americans. It was in an island uh, area and help, help the South American people to uh, to know Jesus and the challenges that came with that. And and uh, you know we we hear these things. We look at someone like Ben McGregor. We we, we see different things happening that different people do for God. And the question often comes, I know it does for me, is like, yeah, but what about me? What, what, what do I do? What, what's my thing? And um, I'm wondering today if our thing could be something I'm going to call being a suburban missionary. Uh, something a bit more local and perhaps not so, um, not traveling across oceans not even traveling down country, but just uh, opening our hearts to people in our own communities. I'd just like to pray and uh, as we get started. Father, we just welcome you here. God, first I just want to pray that for each one of us here that we would, we would just know the depth of your love for us today. And that the most important thing about our journey of faith is knowing that love. That love that is that can never be taken away. That you would help us to know just how high and deep and wide and consistent and full and ongoing your love is for us. And I pray too that you would nudge our hearts this morning. You would nudge our hearts, God, to, to be vehicles of that love for others. And it's going to look different for each one of us. But we just say that we're open, God, to what you would lead us into, how you would nudge our hearts. Help us to say yes to you, God, in all things in our lives. Amen. All right, I'm going, to, I'm going to look at three questions today. We're just going to unpack them one by one. The first one is, what is God's heart for people? What is God's heart for people? You may want to do this this afternoon. We're not going to read the whole of it today. Luke chapter 15, the Gospel of Luke in the Bible, chapter 15. And there's three stories that Jesus tells. Let me just uh, paint the scene a little bit here. So there's a bunch of people that have been hanging out with Jesus. And he's been talking to them about God, talking to them about faith, talking to them about love. And 
having, having lunch together. And these people are the ratbags, what people would often think of as the ratbags. They're the thieves and the prostitutes and the drunks. And the religious people were getting upset with Jesus. The religious people, they were, mumble, rumble. What are you doing hanging out with those sinners? And Jesus said, he started to, uh, to tell them these stories. First one was about a sheep, a lost sheep. I've got sheep. I've got three sheep. That's not one of my sheep. <laughs> so my three sheep, there's Marilyn, Monroe, and Freckles. Okay, they're my girls. And, uh, you know, we're pretty good friends. But Jesus says, imagine you, you had 100 sheep and one of them went missing. Wouldn't you go and find it? And when you found it, wouldn't you come back home and let everyone know, yeah, I found Marilyn. She was missing. I found her. And Jesus says this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then he tells the story of a lost coin. I mean, does anyone even have coins these days? This coin that they were talking about in the story was worth a day's wages. How much do you earn in a day? Okay, put that in a bag and lose it. <laughs> it's worth finding, isn't it? It's worth finding. And so you'd be like, oh, where did I put it? You'd be calling the people up that you've just been at their place, your friends. Like, could you just have a look around? I've lost a day's wages. And you'd be looking under the couch and under the, you know, down the cracks of the seat of your car and amongst the French fries and everything in there. And, and you'd, be, you'd do everything to find it. And then you find it. And it's like you'd be ringing up and say, hey, I've found it, I've found it, I've found it. And Jesus says this in the same way, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then there's this third powerful story that Jesus tells. The story of the wayward son. The youngest son, he had this, this man, he had two sons. It talks about his estate. It's like, I, I, I talk about my house. I don't know, like an estate sounds like a richer person. So, and this younger son says like, ah, like could I have my inheritance now? Like, there's an article about a month ago in the paper saying the average house price in Auckland average is a million dollars. Say he was just an average. So half of the inheritance is like, if it was all mortgage-free, half, that's half a million dollars. But it's probably more because it's an estate. It could be millions. And the father gave him his inheritance. And what does he do with it? It says he went to a, to a distant country and squandered it in wild living. I mean, the mind boggles, doesn't it? Like, you kind of go there and you go like, okay, I think I know what he's up to. Squandered it, like millions, probably millions. And it's all gone. And he's in a faraway country. And what does he do? He's got he's to do something just because he's got nothing. So he starts working as a pig feeder. And he's looking at the pig food and he's getting, he's getting excited, thinking like, I could actually have a little snack on some of that. He was so hungry. He, but he comes to his senses. He thinks, even the servants at my father's house have food. And he comes home. And his father sees him coming and runs to his son. Throws his arms around his son, embraces his son, kisses his son dresses his son in the, in, in the best clothes, puts a ring on his finger, and has a big celebration feast for him. And the older son has a grumble and goes, Dad, what? This isn't right. This doesn't seem right. And the father says this. We had to celebrate. 
and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's God's heart for people. That's God's heart for people. God's love is big. It's amazing. It's for everyone. He just loves us so much. That's how much God loves us. Second question I want to ask you this morning. Is God at work in people's lives? Sometimes we can have a pretty low expectation that God is actually at work in people's lives that aren't people of faith, that aren't, haven't made any decision to, 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 to know God, to love God, to follow God. Sometimes we can have a very low expectation that God's at work. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invite a very good friend of mine, um, Craig Lucich, to come up and, uh, and share a little bit of his story now. So come on up. Give him a big encouragement as he comes up. So. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks, Coasties, and thank you for the invite back. Um, just listening to when you're talking about that, the prodigal son, the lost, that I'm the perfect example of that. Um, I'll just, this is a story, really, of God's grace and his forgiveness and his love and his healing and his redemptive work in us. Um, so a rough background. Um, my mum had me when I was about 17, and the closest I ever got to meeting my dad is a tattered old photo that I've got. Um, when I was five, she met the son of a Croatian immigrant who came out here with nothing but the clothes on his back. So he probably had a hard life. Um, they had first one, my first sister Tracy, and then a second one, Rowan. It was about then that things went pretty pear-shaped. Um, it was a bit of a tough upbringing. I soon realised he couldn't love me, but it was almost as if he couldn't even accept me. Um, so there was a lot of verbal put-downs. Um, a lot of abuse. When he drank, there was a lot of violence sometimes. Um, but if it sounds like it was a really bad childhood, it wasn't. I was a kid, I just thought that's how it was. So we got through all that. It was, it was more when I got into my teens that the, the anger started to come in through and a lot of rage. And I made a lot of bad decisions. I turned to alcohol and I turned to drugs. Um, and a lot of that was just to hide the pain. But I started hanging out with a group of guys and we were into fast cars and bikes and hotting everything up. And um, when you add in alcohol, drugs, and in my case, a feeling of don't really care if I'm here or not, um, it, was, it was a pretty bad way to do things. And it's only by God's grace that I'm here. I survived a couple of horrendous crashes and walked away with, without a scratch. Um, but then one day my, my luck did run out. I had a huge crash, um, smashed myself up big time. Um, I nearly died on the scene, and then a couple of days later, after a huge op, I nearly passed away again, but I came through that. Um, it took me a good year before I could walk without crutches, so it's probably some of you wonder why I walk a bit weird, that's, that's why I still bear the scars of that. But So I went through my 20s just on the wrong path, um, and it was probably in my late 20s, there was a lot of suicidal thoughts, there was a lot of depression, it was probably in my late 20s when I got a, the first glimpse of God's love, I, I just didn't know it at the time. I met a young lady um, that I'd known for many years, it was my, my best mate's um, younger sister, so we hooked up and um, very quickly we became inseparable, we moved in together. Um, after about five years I got my act together and actually asked her to marry me and that was, that'll be 18 years ago, early next year, so um, Ange completely saved me. She saw something in me that that I sure didn't see, um, and just she seemed to just love and accept me for, for who I was. So it started rebuilding my life. We first had one beautiful daughter, Cass, and then four years later, Kate, and even that was a miracle. It didn't look like we were going to be able to have kids for a long time. So I was busy rebuilding my life, um, but there was still just something not quite right, something, something missing for me. Um, God came crashing into my life via music, something that had kept me sane. And I bought an um, album of a progressive Christian rock artist. And there was this one song I was listening to. It was called Outside Looking In. And it was about a guy who felt like he was on the, on the, he was on the upskirts looking in, 
looking at happy people, wondering how they had it. He was trapped in sin. He was the last in line. He'd made a mess of everything he'd done. And the strangest thing happened. I'm listening to the song on the way home, and it must have been a really dusty day because my eyes started leaking big time. <laughs> I did rage, I did anger, but I sure didn't do cry. You know, so this was weird. And I, I just said to God, look, if you're real, you show me. So I went home, I did the same thing I'd done every day for 30 years, you know, gave my wife a kiss, went in the garage, got lit up, come back in the house. The difference was now as I hit the internet, I'm a huge reader. So I started looking up God, Jesus, the Bible, um, near-death experiences, just I was fascinated by them and stories of heaven and stuff. And I started thinking, man, there might be something to this, there just might be something to this. And there was one verse especially that jumped out at me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your soul. And I was reading that and I was pondering that. It just, it just kept running in my mind. I didn't even know what a yoke was. I thought it was something you dip your toast in, <laughs> break you or something. But the other two bits, that um, I'll give you rest for your soul, it was just like... Oh, I've got to get me some of that. that, that sounds good. So I said to Ange one day, hey, there's a little church, you know, the little church down the corner, and we'd been there for a, a fair and whatnot. And she said, yeah. And I said, I'm thinking of going. And that was the funniest thing. She's, she's like looking at me with a little smile on her face, waiting for the punchline, you know, and it didn't come, and her face just hit the floor. She's like, okay. And I got the same reaction from friends, if you bump your head or something, you're good. So anyway, that Sunday off I go. I get to the point where I've, it was just down the road. I get to the point where I've got to cross the road and go into church, and I froze. And Satan just come at me hard out. You in a church, give me a break. As if they'd ever accept you. You're not good enough. That that that. And so he got me that time. I dropped my head. I walked home. I did the same into the garage, back in the house. Second week, I made it across the road. So progress, huh? And then I bailed. Um, third week, I got halfway down the drive. And I started getting the speed wobbles and this guy come charging out at me and he grabbed me and he gently led me in. That was Mr Roy Mulder, he's not here today, but um, we're great friends now. So he led me in and I don't mind telling you, I was freaking out, I don't know what was going on. I was shaking, I was sweating, I was just uncomfortable. But when the guy got up there and started preaching, I sat forward a bit, it was like, I remember reading about this, I've heard this, I know a little bit of this. So anyway, God started working in my life, I went the next week. And I went the next week, and I went the next week. Then my kids got sucked into that big big maelstrom of God. They started coming. Um, and then my wife started baking for the church. And I might have told them a couple of times I'd done it, but <laughs> that's, that's another story. No one believed me anyway once they got to know me. Um, but anyhow, then Anne started coming for special occasions. And then she started coming a little bit more regularly here and there. Well, then I started... It was like Annalise said one time. Um, I gave my life to God. Myself and my oldest daughter were both baptised. And that's the end of the story. Everything was happy ever after. Yeah, not quite. Um, we went through some pretty tough times. I won't go into that. It's another story. Again, job losses and mega family deaths and all sorts. But God was always there with us. And, and he got us through. And he grew my faith in those times, which was, which was completely amazing. Um, but I, was, I had this thing in my head still, and it's probably from my upbringing, and it took me a long time to realise that I was thinking, I'm not quite at their level, I don't think I ever can be. I'm not good enough. And I come here, and it was the second time I was here, and Matt said, yeah, all right. No, not that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Matt, Matt actually said, hey, um, come as you are. Don't stay as you are, but come as you are. And that for me was just like, from my background was just like, boom, lights started going on. And, and through a lot of the preaching and sermons you did, I realised that it, it was okay. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what path you've come, that you are good enough. Um, and especially, that's one thing I love about God. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter the scars you've got. He will use you right where you are, exactly at that point. And that is massive and that's so powerful um, so yeah God has just 
completely turned my life around. I mean, I don't touch alcohol now. I don't touch drugs. I haven't got any of those suicidal thoughts. Um, I haven't got any depression, pretty much. You, you know, everyone gets down here and there. Um, and the main thing is hope, because I know how it's going to end. And it doesn't matter what everything throws at you or what life can throw at you, you know where you're at and you know what's going to happen in the end. So that's a couple of things that he's given me that I've never had was peace and hope. And that's amazing. So um, that's my brief journey. And the, and the main thing is, is I know I'm, I've, I've learned to accept that I'm not where I'm, I want to be, but there's a Joyce Meyer um, saying that I love and I pray to God all the time. And it's like, God, I'm sorry I'm not where I need to be, but I sure thank you I'm not where I used to be. So, thanks very much. Dusty in here today as well. So. <laughs> Thanks so much, Craig. You know, it's just, just love hearing stories about God's love and uh, and changed lives. All right, just pull myself together again. Where's those tissues up here when you need them, eh? Here they come. <laughs> oh, thank you. That should be enough. <laughs> you know, what I love is just that what you see is that God is so much more into this whole thing of, of, of rescuing people than, than we are, you know? It's like God was reaching out to Craig, you know, just just in the midst of all that was happening. But then there was that, that one point, which I love, and uh, where I know a number of you know uh, Roy and Maria who, who come here. But I love that, you know, Roy ran up the driveway and says, come on and so... I know I look like I'm just a real hard, mean guy on the outside, Ava. <laughs> so Craig and Ange were coming here for probably about a year and a half, but they've just recently, they, they live in Helensville, so they've been driving all the way here every, uh, every Sunday, but they've just um, recently decided that they want to be more connected into their community, and so so they are going to be connecting back with that church where they, you know, he first found Jesus. So we'd love to pray for you um, at the end of the service too, and just bless you and in, in your new season out there. Right? So it's good. So God is at work in people's lives, and it's just so good that we we know that. We just sometimes think that, like, oh, I, oh well, how can I get anyone to know? God and it's like you just don't know what's going on you just don't know what's going on in people's lives one of the the pastors that we met on our recent trip that we uh, we went on had a you know similar story it's like in his early 20s um this Peter Benedict we'll stick his photo up here um he um in his early 20s was a drug addict was selling drugs to pay for his habit and was you know very suicidal and God just arrested him you know, just got and just just set him free from his addictions, you know. And and uh, here is twenty years later, and he's he's the pastor of the church and just sowing into people's lives. And not that you know, being a pastor is anything better or worse than anything else, but it's just um, it's just a story of of God at work in people's lives. God is constantly and continually drawing people towards Him, towards His forgiveness and His love, and, and it's just so so cool. So the third question, so there's two questions we've got, like, what is God's heart for people? And the second question was, is God at work in people's lives? Yes, is the answer to that one. And the third question I want to put out there today is, you know, what is my part in God's mission? What is my part in God's mission? And here's what I want you to grab a hold of this morning. Encouragement for the unevangelist. 
the Bible talks about evangelists. And if you've never heard the word before, an evangelist is someone that just seems to be extraordinarily gifted and, and able to help people to uh, choose to follow Jesus. And the Bible names those people. So if it names people that are, then the rest of us are like the unevangelist. And uh, but here's encouragement for the unevangelist. Who who would say that they're an unevangelist? Just me. Okay. <laughs> people that are perhaps not so um, not so gifted at doing this. Let me tell you a little bit about my journey. Okay. Uh, I'm a, I'm an introvert. I'm one of those people that think of something amazing to say about an hour after it, I needed to be able to say it in the situation, okay? And, um, you know, like, smart in, in hindsight. And uh, I'm not really the, the, the party guy. I'm not the guy that when I get to a party, I go, yeah, Matt's here, you know? It's just like, it's like, hey, Matt, you know? It's okay. Um, so what has this whole thing of mission looked like for me? So I first made a commitment to give myself fully to following Jesus when I was 16. And I grew up in, a, in the church, but I can remember when I was 16, I, I had what John Wesley talks about as an assurance of his salvation. He had an experience too, and he just had this assurance of his salvation. And I knew at 16 that I was God's, and I'd made that, that decision to fully follow him. And I'd heard that as a, as a Christian, as a believer, it's good to try and invite other people to know God as well. And so as a 16-year-old that, you know, was pretty insecure, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll try. And uh, I remember a family moved in next door to us, and they had a son that was exactly my age. And I thought, well, maybe I could invite him to some of our youth group things and, and uh, invite him, no, I can't do that, invite him to this, no, I can't do that. There was this party on with a bunch of youth, people from the youth and invite him to that. And he said, yeah, yeah, I can come to that. I go, oh, my goodness, fantastic. And so... Um, and I was at the party at about nine o'clock and uh, suddenly realised, oh no, I forgot to pick him up. <laughs> he was right next door. He would have seen me drive off, you know. I'm like... <laughs> and, you know, go to university and try to have conversations and, like I say, a bit shy, a bit insecure, not really that good with words. And, but, but I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to try and do something. So I tried some other stuff. It's, uh, so back in the day, I was in a band called the Frosty Boys. I know what you're thinking. That is the coolest band name ever. I know. I know that's what you're thinking. Um, it's back in the day when it was, there was the Beastie Boys and the Frosty Boys. It's like, who's heard of the Beastie Boys? <laughs> and uh, it gets cooler than that. We had band names. Like I was Deep Freeze. So I know, I know you're thinking, these guys, must, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so, um, and we're all Christian guys, and three of us from the band, we were flatting together, and uh, we thought, what could we do? Now, we're flatting Oaraka, and back in the late 80s, mid-80s, um, Oaraka, there was, you know, there was a murder about a couple of blocks away from us, about two months after we moved in, and... There was, it was always getting the news on the, you know, on the TV news of brawls that were, were happening and there was crack houses and uh, police raids all the time. And we're thinking there must be some pretty messed up young people around here. Maybe we could do something to help these guys to find God. And so we came up with this idea that we'd have them over to our flat. It was a big house on Oaraka Ave. And so we printed off these flyers. It had on the top. It said FBM, no FBM presents, which was Frosty Boy Ministries. Pre, FBM presents, and it had this this night free pizza and and a, and this movie thing. And I can't remember how we how we advertised it, but anyway, we put these into all the letterboxes all around the community. And um, and on the night we had these four guys come, and they looked like they'd come from some pretty rough, you know, uh, families. These four guys come rocking, and anyway, we we. You know, pizza was on, but we, pl we pl showed them this movie, which is like a documentary called Hell's Bells. It was just like, it was Hell's Bells, the danger of rock and roll. 
And it was, it was hilarious. It was all about how the devil uses rock music to destroy lives. And um, one of the things back that was kind of the thing back in the day was everyone thought that Satan was working on music so that if you played music backwards, it would have a message. And so, and it showed some of these examples. So you're going you're gonna to try this, I know. If you play Another One Bites the Dust backwards, it goes, smoke marijuana, smoke marijuana. I don't know. I mean, this is what the movie said. Anyway. And there was these other songs, and it's, it's like, anyway, one of, these, um, one of these guys, these kids that came along, he was a teenager, he was so freaked out, I think we scared the hell out of him, <laughs> literally scared the hell out of him, and, um, and he said, I want to know God, and came to faith. So, so Wayne became a Christian, and we journeyed with him for a while, and, you know, but it was just trying something. I got involved with a an organisation for at-risk youth called uh, Te Hawara, uh, which is part of Youth for Christ. And we did program, help run programs and camps and events and, and saw a number of these guys come to, come to faith. Um, I played a bit of music and I, um, I auditioned for Certain Sounds, which was a band that was, again, part of Youth for Christ that went all around the country. Um, auditioned and got into that and to quit my job, raised some money for, and did that for six months. And we went into schools the local Youth for Christ would organise playing at lunchtimes and morning tea times at a bunch of schools, so we're packing up and playing and packing down just all week long and then invited them to a, a big concert on the Saturday night at the local town hall at which they'd hear our awesome music and um, it was alright. And then, and then hear a, a presentation of the gospel and like probably over that six months saw hundreds of young people in New Zealand come to faith. And uh, and I still bump into people, and you know they know about certain sounds, and they go, you know, I gave my gave my life to Jesus through certain sounds. It was every year, not necessarily our year, but just over the years, and just playing a bit of bass. And there was this. No, I won't go. I'll go I'll ask me about something funny that happened about that sometime. <laughs> you, you just you don't have to you don't have to like hang around me too long before something funny happens eh, in life. So. Um, but these are just some stories. I wasn't like a pastor. I wasn't, you know, it was just, just trying to work out what does mission look like for me. You know, the Bible says that there are these evangelists, but those that are gifted of people to come to faith. But what about the rest of us? You know, we're still called to help people to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus said to his followers, he says, go and make more followers of me. Go and find them and help them to come to know God and to follow me. And that's for us. So what does it look like for us that might struggle a little bit with this thing? I'm just going to throw out two things. I want you to take these things away. Okay. First thing is I want you to be a seed thrower. So just picture yourself with a couple of bag of seed on this hip and a bag of seed on this hip. And just everywhere you go, you just... Uh-huh. The thing with seeds, who's ever tried to sow a lawn? Like, because I'm... A little bit, I like to use my money well and not waste money. I tend to just like think, I don't want to put too much on because, you know, if I could just do it with one bag instead of two, then I'll save money. And the thing is, is that you've got to actually throw heaps down to get a lawn because it's, and I was thinking about it, why do, why do my lawns never work? And, and then I, I wrote... I wrote these things down of why, and it seems a lot like that other story that Jesus tells about sowing seed. Because it's like sometimes you throw it out, and then the next, like, and you're half an hour later, you've got all the birds out there hammering away at it. And then, or you just see it there week after week, and it's just sitting on top of the ground. You know, it just hasn't actually got into the ground to grow. Or you get rain, and we've got a bit of a slope, and it all just washes away, or, um, or it kind of takes a little bit, and then it doesn't rain for three weeks and I'm too lazy to water it and so it just dies and, and so it's hard but if you throw enough out there you get some grass growing and we need to think of ourselves as seed throwers where we just got to throw stuff out and just trust that remember God's at work God's at work in people's lives and something a seed will hit fertile soil somewhere sometime 
It might just be, a seed just might be a word of encouragement for someone. It might just be smiling at someone. It might be a story about what God did for you this week, you know, at church. And it might be something as simple as that song that we sang, you know. I felt Jesus in this place. You know, like, I just, I just felt, you know, had this coolest thing on the weekend. I just felt Jesus. I felt God's love. People love hearing about things that are real. I love, I've just been reading through the book of Acts again, which is the story of the early church in the Bible. It talks about Paul the Apostle, and so many times Paul gets hauled before the, you know, the local court system or the, the local uh, whoever it was, and, and has to explain himself. And he just says, whoa, I was like against these Christians, I'm just, and I'm going up to Damascus and Syria to, to like, like deal to a few more of them. And you know, I got knocked off my horse and went blind and heard this voice from just like the sky. He's just saying what happened. You know, it's kind of like us. It's like, well, I just was at church on Sunday and I just felt God in this place. You can leave an invite card. You know, we've just got these invite cards that are they're on the info table. I've always got them in my back pocket. I'm just, I'm just, it's my little seed thing. So, <laughs> just throwing seeds. You know, like leave it for your waitress at your restaurant, or you know, tuck it, put it on the windscreen of the car that you park next to, or you know, just it's just throwing out seeds. You might be talking to someone and you could pass out some gem that you picked up from church on Sunday from one of Jacinda's messages. And, and just go, here's something, here's something that I got. Or from a podcast or from a book or from a blog. And, you know, we do flyers for new series when we start new series at church. And, you know, we love people to have those and just to be able to give them to people that they bump into. But you could, you know, if you're a shy person, if you're an unevangelist, just sneak one into your neighbor's letterbox when you know they're out. <laughs> you know, we may not be evangelists, but we can be seed throwers, eh? We can throw seeds. Just seeds. And, just, and it, you think, like, oh, but it's not much. Well, again, just, just love Craig's story. It's like God's at work, remember? God's at work. And the second thing that that we can do if we wouldn't think of ourselves as an evangelist is that we can play our part in something bigger. What do you mean by that? Well, here's something that's bigger. Easter camp for high schoolers. We have had like 50, I think, went to the last Easter camp. And um, some of these young people came back and had made a decision to follow Jesus on the back of that. It doesn't have to happen at Easter camp, but it's kind of geared towards inviting people into that. But so much goes into that ahead of time. People just playing their part. Like running some youth events. Or providing funds so that we can rent our facility and pay for our youth pastor and do pay for events. You know conversations with, you know, I know for all of you, like, I know some people are scared of high schoolers. They're really, really nice people. You should talk to them. But I know that there are some of you, you have conversations. All of those conversations are just paying, that's part of it. Some of you may be willing to pay for some young people to go to Easter camp who can't afford to go otherwise or whose parents don't see any value in it and wouldn't go otherwise. It's just, it's playing a part of something bigger, playing a part of something bigger. Let me tell you a little secret. Just a secret, just between us, okay? <laughs> Sunday Church is our biggest evangelistic program. We very deliberately try and do church in a way that any of us could invite someone to and that would feel it's, a, it's easy to be here. That would feel welcome. It's, you know, we don't get it right all the time, but we... We want this to be a place where it doesn't matter if people have never been in a church in their life. 
that they could come in here and that just actually have their mind blown. Their mind blown because the only thing that they know about church might be from TV programs and movies or, or the media. And it's usually pretty, pretty negative. Or they went to boarding school and had to go to church as part of that and you know, it just ruined religion for them. And they come in here and they go, oh wow, it's just a bunch of people just like me, just hanging out and trying to work out life and faith and love and, you know. But you can play a part in Sunday church, you know, by welcoming people or helping out with the, the coffee or playing, you know, your, your music with the team or helping out with the kids, helping put out chairs, help pay for stuff that needs to be bought and we have to we hire this every week we just play a part play a part of something bigger and we can all do that we can all do that we're going to be doing a thing in the next couple or three weeks where we're going to have someone who's going to be our car parking person because what we've come to realise is that because as the church has got bigger if you get here a little bit late, you'll park ages away. I never know that because I'm always here early. I always get a sweet car park. <laughs> but all those car parks up the top there, and I'm sorry if this is news to the worship team, but those car parks that are just up here, we're going to just keep those for new people. And we're going to have a car parking person out there with the high vis. And they are going to be the first person that anyone who comes along are going to see. So we want the smiley people. <laughs> if you're grumpy on a Sunday, we don't want you, okay? <laughs> We want the smiley people because they're going to be the first contact that it has with Coast Vineyard. It might be someone that's never come to church before, but we're just going to help them out by giving them a car park that's just a little bit easier for their first time. Just, but, you know, I can wear a high-vis vest. High-vis vest. I said a high-vis vest, vis, anyway. You know, there's other things. We do movie nights, and I know that we do those movie nights and we think, like, oh, I don't really want to go. I don't like that movie. I've seen that movie. Well, what about... Just going to invite someone along with you. Or just to, maybe you could, actually I could run the movie night. I, can, I could cook the popcorn. I could, um, or maybe, maybe you could be someone, maybe you're someone that actually has significant financial resources. And, and, that's, and that would be some way that you could play a part. You know, like we just had this movie night on Friday. And I tell you, there's a bunch of young people there. Boy, they go through a lot of popcorn and a lot of paper cups. And it's like, you know, we love, we love that they're there. Play a part of something bigger. Just play a part. We've got this Nepal trip that's coming up. And you go, oh, oh that looks, that's a bit, I don't know about that. So here's the deal. When we were there, you saw the photo, I was in the photo, I was like smiling. And um, there was this one meeting we went to, and we were just there, we didn't really know what was going on. We don't, I don't speak Nepali. And uh, we heard this, we got this, email from Noel about three weeks later. He said, oh, you know that church we went to? Just need to let, wanted to let you know that there was three families that, that gave, gave their hearts to following Jesus at that meeting. And we're going, what, really? And, you know, they probably only just came because there's these weird white people. Were, they heard that these weird whiteies were in, in town and it's just like, and probably just came along. It's just playing a part. I've got a bonfire night coming up. There's a number of things in the news sheet. That's what it's there for. You might think, well, I don't want to go to all those things. What about, you? What about someone that you could invite to take along? Bonfire nights are easy. Kids love it. Families invite them along. We're going to start doing outreaches on a, on a Saturday. And you think, like, well, that sounds a bit scary. Well, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do things like giving away cans of Coke to people with a card just saying, like, you know, we're a church here on the Hibiscus Coast and we just wanted to do something nice for you. Have a good day. You know, you think, oh, I could do that. Or we might, you know, someone might park their car and we might say, look, could I wash your windscreen for you? No charge at all. Just love to do it for you just because we just want to do something nice for people on the coast. You think, is that evangelism? Is that, well, I don't know. Just seeds, you know. <laughs> So all of these things, you know, we're just done just to, just to help people towards God's love. You know, so we've, but we've got to play our part.
You know, let's serve, let's give, let's invite. See, I've got another one. You know, when opportunities to engage with people or to connect with people and help people to find faith come along, we can, we can often ask, have this thing going around in our mind saying, like, you know, would, would I do that? Should I do that? Could I do that? I mean, that's fair enough. And here's the answers to those questions. You know, would I do that? Well, maybe. Should I do that? Well, maybe. Could I do that? Maybe. But why don't we just decide just to do something? Just to do something that may be just like, if, you, if this is where you're comfortable, why don't you go here? Not way over there. Just, just go here. And just do something. You may be just for today picking up a card and giving it to a friend. So let's sow seeds. Let's play our part. And let's step into being a part of God's plan for rescuing mankind. For seeing people come out of a, a place where there is hopelessness and fear and uncertainty into a place of just being able to rest into the, just the wonderful love of God. What do you think? Amen? All right. Let's stand together. I'd love to pray. You know, you might be here this morning because you are one of those people that have been invited along to come along to Coast Vineyard. And you're probably hearing this all and you go like, oh, that's why they invited me. They want me to, they want me to find God's love. Absolutely, we all do. We want you to find God's love. If you're here this morning, and you, you kind of know that, that something is not quite aligned in life. And it's because you haven't found God. Something in all of us that is just drawn towards finding God's love. That's what Drew Craig, you know, you could, you could hear it in his story. It's just drawn towards God's love. And if you're here this morning, it may well be you're here because... God had nudged you here this morning. And this is the morning where you can make that decision. So what I'd love to do is, if, that's, if you would want to say, yes, I want to know God's love. I want to be a follower. I want to, I want to be a follower of God. I want to give myself fully to God this morning. Why don't you just pop your hand up real quick? People aren't looking at you. Just pop your hand up real quick. Anyone? That's cool. Thank you. Anyone else? What I'd love for you to do just in this moment, and we might play that song. Oh, you got no? Can you can you get to a microphone? Good man. You could, I know you, you could all see that my heart was moved this morning just with that story of, you know, Craig's story, just because I just so love seeing people find the fullness of life and love in God. If you're here this morning, you've been moved as well, and you think, like, actually, I'd love to, to step into this. Then just as Josh sings this song, we're going to sing the, the um, Glory to the King song as we close. And let's, let's sing it. But if you're just feeling like, actually, I want to say yes to that, then just in your way, in your space, is just to do that. You may just want to close your eyes and just in your, in your mind or in your, you know, whisper it out loud or go, like, God, I want to play my part. I thank you that others played their part in helping me find faith. I want to play my part in helping others. I want to be a, a seed thrower. I want to play my part. All right.
God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the call that we have to play a part in just the most wonderful thing of helping people into life. So God, plant in us and, and, and whatever you have spoken to us and called us into this morning, God, protect it and lead us into it, we pray. That we would be fruitful, that we would, as others have helped us find your love, that we could do that for others. God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that this morning people have said yes to you and have said yes and have stepped into that place where the angels rejoice. You're so good. We give you all the thanks, all the praise, all of our worship, all of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, that is us for today. Awesome. Well, God bless you, and uh, coffee's on. We'd love you to stay as long as you'd like. Remember, be seed throwers, play your part. We'll see you next week.